episode of Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. Uh, my name's Brent, and joining me this week is the podcasting equivalent of Tokyo Rose, Alan. Hello. And joining us is Ski, a man who feels that recording a podcast is like making love. There's some mental preparation, a rush of adrenaline, an unspecified duration, and afterwards only he is satisfied with his performance. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have said Kanichiwa. <laughs> I didn't think fast enough. Oh, well. So this week, we've got a baseball-adjacent episode, and so Alan is going to provide the play-by-play while Ski and I offer up color commentary. Uh, when it's over, we'll have settled on an MVP, the number of slices of cheesecake the episode deserved, and proven that Ski doesn't understand the term color commentary. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let's head on down to the ballpark, have us some peanuts and a bit of the old Cracker Jack, and listen to Alan's recap. Yeah, it's ironic because there's almost no one I could describe, uh, or... A good person would also be a, quite the oxymoron for you because I'd call you Bob Euchre. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> but that wouldn't quite work out. Um, yeah. So, anyways, well, today, as Brent has mentioned, uh, going over Golden Girls Season 7, Episode 5, Where's Charlie? Uh, this was released on October 19th, 1991. In all likelihood, probably the same day, uh, October 19th, that Season 1, Episode 6 was released on. I think so. That'd be my guess anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, written by Gail Parent and Jim Vallely, mm-hmm. and directed by Alex Paceros. I believe oh, yeah. this would be his ninth episode that he directed, uh, and four, or 13 left after eight. this. Eight. Eight. Okay, yeah. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to seem like I researched. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I eight don't have... 13 to go. But, yeah. So we're over the third way mark. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Good old Lex. He's done a, a decent job so far. Yeah, he's so. doing, you know, he's a nice workman yeah. type character. I think old Terry Hughes raised the bar pretty high. Yeah, it's true. It is a hard uh, a hard goal to hit. Yeah. Lex is like the guy who took over Lou Gehrig's position. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever that was. Exactly. <laughs> it was probably someone really fucking famous. <laughs> probably a really good baseball player, that you know, like Mickey Mantle or something. You exactly, know? but time's forgotten him because they didn't name a disease after him. Right. <laughs> we don't know that. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we may have forgotten because we don't know baseball that well. Exactly, but, but true aficionados remember famed shortstop <laughs> Johnny COVID. Right. <laughs> Bravo. That was good. I like the way that he says that was good. It, it, it sounded so much like, unlike most of your garbage, <laughs> that was good. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I laugh at all this funny. stuff. Uh, you actually did earn the laughter you're giving yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Stranger things. 
overseas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, scene one, uh, we start up in the kitchen with Dorothy writing a letter to her recently departed father. It's mm-hmm. amazing how fast 17 years can go by. Mm-hmm. It's about as long as we've been doing this podcast, I believe. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Almost to the day. Mm-hmm. Like, Dear Dad, did you know Mother was married previously? <laughs> Her and Guido went behind the sausage and pepper stand before she went behind there with you. And she's married again, mm-hmm. but never sees my new dad. Right. Yeah, it's kind of odd that uh, she's like the Ross Geller now. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway. So does she get all of Max's uh, assets if he passes? Yeah, I'm sure. I don't think they ever established that they got divorced or anything. I mean, I'd like to think she'd let his kids have them. Mm. I don't know. She probably signed a prenup. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. All his money in the banana stand. That's true. <laughs> or whatever kind of st- with the conditions and convits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, apparently Dorothy has some unsubtle business with Sal, and mm-hmm. sending a note to the dead letter file is sure to help. <laughs> Uh, Blanche, Blanche walks in with baseball boy Stevie, mm-hmm. who found her number on the dugout wall, commenting, mm-hmm. it sure was right, I am having a good time. <laughs> that was Stevie's best line of the episode. Yeah. Uh, Blanche is uh, coaching this aging athlete by giving him mm-hmm. vitamins and lingerie to wear underneath his uniform. Yeah. As all as all top athletes do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, if Stevie hasn't made it yet, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, well, I, I think his best years are behind him. So <laughs> I, I looked it up. Okay, um, uh-huh. Stevie was 45 when this okay. episode came out. Um, the oldest person to ever make their major league baseball debut was Satchel Paige <laughs> at age 42, and uh-huh. and he had been playing in the Negro leagues before they integrated. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, I think that he. Probably should move on from this. <laughs> Maybe take that contract in Japan. Yeah, um, but I'll get ahead of myself. Well, yeah, here, we'll get so. to it, right? But anyways, uh, Stevie leaves. Uh, Sophia reminisces about Kevin Costner's buns. Mm-hmm. Been there, and uh, Blanche reveals that uh, Waterworld. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were the two movies that they referenced? It was uh, Dances with Wolves Bill and Bull Durham. Bull Durham. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Uh, Blanche reveals that uh, molding men is one of her talents. Or, mm-hmm. no, actually her one talent, I believe she refers to it as. So I don't know. That seems odd to me. Don't you feel like Blanche is the type of person that would think she had a great many talents? I don't think she would consider molding men to be her one talent. Uh, Maybe know. her greatest or something. But yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think at the very least she would consider herself quite talented in the bedroom. Yeah, but, yeah, mm-hmm. unless that's what she considers molding them. That could be, too. Maybe it's all part of one process. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys have anything else from that opening scene that you thought uh, should be mentioned? Can't think of anything offhand. Okay. We can uh, talk about Kevin Costner movies. Uh, is there a particular one that you love? Untouchables. Untouchables. I don't think I've ever seen a good Untouchables. One. Oh, it kicks ass. It is a really good that, movie. But it's so amazingly good. I mean, if I had to pick one, I... Yes, I'd probably go with Dances with Wolves, but really? it's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not like a Kevin uh, Costner aficionado. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know, you know, of a lot of his work, but I don't feel mm-hmm. like I've seen a whole ton yeah. of it. So I still think, you know, I know, rest in peace and all that sort. But I do think that his uh, Pac Kent was a high point of the whole Snyderverse thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was solid. I agree. Um, I don't know. High point seems a little strong, but solid nonetheless. Oh, so uh, I watched uh, this kind of series on uh, online. It's a, a comedy type thing. It's called Pitch Meeting, 
Have I shown you guys this before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pitch meeting. Called? Pitch meeting. It's a comedy jab, basically, at uh, the plots of movies. Talk about plot holes. And okay. Yeah, TV shows and such <coughs> as well. But, but one of the favorite things on any of those episodes that uh, I've seen is uh, he talks about uh, the start the uh, the Superman Man of Steel movie. Mm-hmm. He talks about uh, how uh, he is guided by both of his um, Robin Hood dads. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me, yeah, both Kevin Costner and uh, Russell Crowe both played Robin Hood <laughs> in different movies. I thought that was a very clever uh, thing to point out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's solid. Yeah. I think that was always just sort of the big thing that, you know, like Superman, you know, he had too many dads while Batman, not enough. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why Superman turned out so good because dads are so awesome. Exactly. <laughs> but he lost them both. Yeah, that's true. But he had enough that... <laughs> they, they helped him form. Exactly. Right? Especially that one who did almost no fathering to him as he was an infant. <laughs> <laughs> well, he saved his life, though, arguably. That, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he uploaded his memory onto a crystal. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I gotta make sure to make one of those before I die. <laughs> <laughs> How would you feel if I'm? You just like, have Alan. What do you think this is? Right. <laughs> yeah, all, all the wisdom we've imparted. <laughs> this is why your children remember how you how they remember you. Exactly. So you're like, all right. Well, I got 80 hours left to live, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna spend that time putting all my wisdom onto this crystal. You know. Right. And then you're like. You know, like, oh, shit, it's been displaced. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, <clears throat> didn't throw it into a snow mountain like he was supposed to. <laughs> See, it's funny, though. You keep talking about this being like our version of the crystal here. <laughs> like, I feel like I've, if my kids heard this, I'd be totally fine with it. Yeah, it would know? be horrible for me. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I think Brent would probably be okay with it, you know, showing a sense of humor, his knowledge of various <laughs> things. And whatnot, but yeah, for you, it's mostly Dad's showing. really smart. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because we really point like... out every you know foible <laughs> that you make. Oh <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think you may come out a little worse than the two of us. But... <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> and it's funny because you're probably a little better than either of us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I definitely life. get a little more personal with my uh, sex life on here. That's true. Um, <laughs> it's definitely true. <laughs> it would make it very uh, uncomfortable for some people who know me well. Yeah. You also talk more about your daughter's friends than we do. Mm-hmm. You, know. you do. Hey, now. <laughs> and their attractiveness. and yeah. <laughs> Pre, Pre-meth days or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Man. And you say you point out my foibles. I know, and that's exhibit A. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't deny it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I was trying to be ironic. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, well, Go on. he's like, joke's on you, because that's not a foible. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see her, Alan. <laughs> if you would have seen her when she was 16, oh, <laughs> you would have really known. Oh. <laughs> you oh, act like your daughter's that far removed from rough. your daughter's, like, what, 22? 23. 23, so her friend would have had to have the time to get on whatever drugs mm-hmm. and deteriorate her appearance. So it would have been prior to that <laughs> that you would have made the observation that she 16, was a 16, though. Come on now. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think that the math is in my favor. <laughs> so, so uh, what are the odds that we'll ever do my David Lynch podcast? Slim. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's... There's a character in their name, Audrey, and she's a high school student. And um, 
Agent Cooper, who's um, an FBI agent, okay. you know, and he comes to town. And she's definitely very flirty towards him, okay? And he doesn't, like, you know, reciprocate, but he also doesn't quite immediately shut her down, okay. you know? Um, and it is kind of, you know, a little awkward or whatever, watching it or whatever. But actually, just for the first time, I listened to, like, the audiobook um, version of, like, his tapes that he makes, uh, Agent Cooper makes or whatever. And there's, like, three different times within there where he goes out of his way to mention the fact that, and she turned 18 last August. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, so even though it wasn't canon within the TV show, (laughs) if you go through the auxiliary material, you know (laughs) it's okay. It just seems like a factoid they could have included within the actual broadcast. Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I I guess at least when he was uh, doing the, the... audio version of it. He wanted to really make sure to (laughs) pound that home. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, scene two, uh, we're in the living room now, and Miles is trying to get Rose to play a quick game of pocket pool. Mm -hmm. She didn't fall for his ruse yesterday, and she's not falling for it today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Miles pulls a ring out of his pocket and gives it to Rose as a traditional gesture of friendship, Mm -hmm. uh, a la Abbott and Costello. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rose accepts and says, so now we're a dead comedy team? Uh, the scene ends in the way that most of Brent's romantic interactions have, ambiguously. I would say that that actually does hold up now, because they're both past. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I don't think I would consider Miles and Rose to be a comedy team, though. I don't know, kind of. They were a couple on the <laughs> old girls for a while. I mean, it's a Lots stretch. of funny times together. <laughs> Is there anybody that you would consider to be her comedy partner, uh, you know, Betty White? Specifically, I mean, there's no one who I specifically associate her with, other than like you know Ryan Allen or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, no, I don't. I'm trying to think. Like, who do you think like the last Airbender was? So no, I know who my answer is. Um, but like, like the last truly great comedy team would be. Oh, let's see. I know I know what my answer would be and who I think would be the correct answer, but I'm curious as to <laughs> who you would pick. Okay, well, um, I mean, I would definitely have to go with, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Jeff Dunham and that uh, jalapeno <laughs> on a stick. <laughs> okay. On a stick. I mean, the last great comedy team, I don't know, the... Smothers Brothers or somebody. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, mm-hmm. they're, Garfunkel and Oates is a pretty great comedy team, but they're you know like still still current. Yeah, um, I assume you're talking about more of a legendary yeah. pair, though. So I, I have I have some if you want. What you go with? Uh, I thought David Spade and Chris Farley did pretty good together. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of did a few. Yeah. See, I don't know if I consider that a comedy team, though. I feel mm-hmm. like you need to have done more than... Just movies together? I, I feel like you yeah. need to be... Like, if you think of one person's name, yeah. you think of the other. Like uh, Lemon and Mathow or something. Yeah. You know. um, so. Who'd you say? Like Lemon and Mathow. That's okay. not who I'd pick, but... All right, well, who who would you pick? I'd pick Conan and Andy. Conan and Andy? Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely... They still are. Isn't Andy on the podcast with them? No, he's, he's not. not. No, oh, he's he does his own podcast, yeah. it, which is not nearly as good, but it's still enjoyable mm-hmm. enough. Um, yeah. Does he ever show up for it, or is it just? They've both been guests on each other's podcast um, mm-hmm. before, but 
Yeah, Conan's part of a new team, like a trio. Uh, I mean, he's the it's Conan O'Brien needs a fan, needs mm-hmm. a friend, um, and he's got two like co-hosts there mm-hmm. on it with him. But gotcha. he's um the the team Coco now has their own uh, station on Sirius XM. Yeah, I, I, it's really good. Oh, yeah, cool. I've listened to it a little bit. Yeah, um, it's a Same. solid. And I'm sure that we'll get our own station soon, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I feel like an old man because it's like I'm listening to talk radio yeah. like when I listen to it. Yeah, I listen to quite a bit of talk radio because I also, I've been trying to catch up on other podcasts because when I started my new job, I mm-hmm. you know kind of put a lot of the podcasts on hiatus. Mm-hmm. And now I've gotten to a place where I'm able to work them in again. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I'm like, why haven't I been listening to these on these you know trips when I go to get my daughter from school or whatnot? Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to get uh, caught up, but yeah. I've been rarely listening to anything now except for it's mm-hmm. essentially talk radio listening mm-hmm. to those podcasts. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. There is something that feels very ancient <laughs> about listening to people talking yeah. on the radio. Sherry will not have any part of it. She's like, it makes me feel nauseous to hear people talking on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> but she listens to audio yeah, books, say, doesn't she? She, she yeah, listens she does, to our podcast, doesn't she? Yeah, but not in her car or anything. She doesn't oh, okay. like at her desk. Um, yeah, same with yeah. the audio books and whatnot. Uh, so it's yeah. Just, it's just being in the car, is that what you say? Yeah, I, I guess. I don't think it legitimately makes her nauseous, but yeah. she, I think she associates it with, you know, older people from her past listening to talk radio when mm-hmm. she did not NPR want that. NPR or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Limbaugh. Yeah. <laughs> God, I hope not. Hi, but. everybody. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, scene three, um, Miles <laughs> bounces and Rose comes into the kitchen <laughs> to uh, show off her ring and express her lack of understanding of what the ring is supposed to mean. She opens the fridge and screams because she just received a message from beyond the grave. There was a, some sort of arrangement between her and Charlie that a message would be sent by having all the cantaloupe on one side of a fruit salad. Apparently, Charlie hated when fruit was mixed, and Blanche asked why she made fruit salad, and Rose replied, that's an argument we must have had a million times, which I did think was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I can just imagine that, too. Like, why mm-hmm. do you keep making this? I hate this when you do <laughs> yeah. that. And then I have to separate it out myself. Maybe she loved it, and he yeah. just didn't. Yeah, it could be, I guess. Or maybe the kids. They had kids, too. Yeah. I mean, Charlie is the only one who has to enjoy That's Rose's fruit. That's a very good point, yeah. yeah. It's like a nice dessert. He got plenty of Rose's fruit, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Eight hours a day or whatever. <laughs> uh, Rose surmises it's because Charlie doesn't want her to be someone else's woman. Uh, Dorothy encourages Blanche to uh, check the fruit salad, but she refuses to go near the refrigerator. Sophia roasts Blanche to a crispy perfection, saying, <laughs> wow, two miracles in one day. So <laughs> I thought that was a solid way. Yeah. That, was, that was a really good burn. Um, did you guys have anything else of note in that uh, particular scene? Not from that one, no, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. I do have, you know, a Sophia's Choice Cares coming up here. Um, Ooh. But I'm trying to decide on when to work it in. I'll, I'll go through another scene before we do, though, at least. Fair enough. Is it Sophia? She cares about baseball? It is not. Um, but but Sophia, you'd think, would care about baseball. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Remember they went to that baseball game and uh, mm-hmm. she got, was it her that got hit in the head? Yeah, and they tried <laughs> to sue. Um, <laughs> but uh, so Rose comes into the kitchen to check on her miracle bowl of fruit, only to find Sophia eating it. Which it appeared to me like Sophia just had an entire bowl of cantaloupe. I did not see <laughs> any other fruits in that bowl. Well, she didn't like the, the cantaloupe either, so she. Well, I mean, it was on one side, it so she was be. eating the other salad first. Maybe, maybe so. Mm-hmm. Um, I had cantaloupe yesterday. Did you? Mm-hmm. I find cantaloupe to be a mediocre fruit. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say that I. I, I definitely really? don't hate it, but it's. It's one of my favorites when it's like really ripe. Oh, really? So, and that's the thing. Like it was. Um, yeah, you buy it, and they've already cubed it for you, mm-hmm. so it's in the dish. 
it's like every bite's a crapshoot. It's like, is yeah. this piece going to be good or not? You know, yeah, like how much rind is going to be in this piece? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or is there like, is this piece going to be ripe, or is this one going to be a little chewy or mm. flavorful or bland? So or? yeah, it's it's really hit or miss a lot of times. Yeah. I remember some of the best cantaloupe I ever had was uh, me and my wife went on our honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to uh, on a cruise, mm-hmm. and uh, they had like fresh fruit and stuff in the bar, mm-hmm. and uh, the bar by the, the the like buffet bar. Yeah. And it was always just like the most flavorful, delicious yeah. fruit that I've ever had, probably. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Like, like I enjoy a baked good as much as the next guy, or a cookie, or whatever. You know. Uh-huh. But I've never had friendship one. cake. For instance, exactly, <laughs> you know, but I've never had one that was nearly as good as like a good piece of fruit, you know. But the flip side of that is, at least they're always consistently good, you know. Yeah. While with fruit, it's like oh, that was not. <laughs> yeah, one's God making it, the other one's a person making it. You know, mm-hmm. you can control <laughs> exactly, or you know, in the middle, a Keebler elf, <laughs> <laughs> which is the midpoint between a God and a man. <laughs> well, I would say though, also that. Uh, in the fruit side, it depends on uh, when man wants it versus when God's ready to serve it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be unpacking that for the rest of the night. <laughs> the Lord is like, nah, you, you wasn't good, but you ate too early. <laughs> well, I... and the Lord said, you spread your seed too much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I should have interjected this about, I don't know, 30 or 45 seconds ago, but I eat my cantaloupe like an apple. I just bite right through the <laughs> apple. Straight through the rind? <laughs> yeah. Delish. Maybe that's why my opinion's a little low. <laughs> and your teeth are a little dull. Yeah. Well, I don't eat them that often. But. Mm-hmm. I was hoping Steve would say he eats his cantaloupe two at a time, like motorboat style. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Clever. It'd be painful, though. <laughs> All right, well, scene four, uh, Rose comes into the kitchen to check on her miracle bowl. Oh, wait, did I get to that yet? Yeah, okay. you're ready for Sophia's choice cares. Right. Um, no, no, I didn't quite get to that yet. Um, so, yeah, so she, Sophia is eating the bowl, and that's why I said it was all cantaloupe is what luckily was uh, there. Just and the Dorothy, contents of it, though, right? Right, and Dorothy, yeah, not the bowl <laughs> itself. Um, and Dorothy is still working on her letter to Sal. Uh, Blanche walks in, lauding Steve's performance and gathering some bananas, presumably to uh, prevent cramps. Um, she talks about dating athletes, and we find out that Dorothy the Bear Patrillo was her school's <laughs> costume mascot. Uh, as she uh, continues her letter, she talks about how upset she still is at her father, and Sophia makes a snarky joke. Dorothy asks if she knows how upset those comments make her, and Sophia says, no, after I'm dead, drop me a note. <laughs> that was my favorite <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was my favorite, too. Yeah, it was harsh, but it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, Dorothy leaves the room, and then Sophia proceeds to uh, pretend um, that she's being possessed by the spirit of, of Charlie, mm-hmm. uh, ostensibly to get 20 bucks out of Rose. Right, yeah. And she basically confirms to Rose during this that uh, he is upset about her getting the ring. Um, Sophia leaves the room, and uh, Rose calls Miles, tell him that she cannot accept the ring. Yeah, but she kind of plays it off like it doesn't really matter. But yeah, yeah, sure, I'm against it. Yeah, it's like if that's what you think, then yes. But I think that's a fairly low point for Sophia in yeah, the series. Yeah, I agree. Um, that was a, I don't know, Pretty. one of the cruelest things that <laughs> she's done, and and essentially too for twenty bucks, that doesn't clearly feel worth playing it. off Rose's like 
want and believe to, uh, that, that Charlie would reach out to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you have someone who's <coughs> conflicted anyway about this circumstance. Well, she's just exploiting her grief. Yeah. <laughs> and and naivete, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, you know, it, it is difficult dealing with um, with death in general. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to a new uh, installment of Sophia's Choice Cares. Oh, we're going to have to deal with death? <laughs> well, in a, in a positive way. Um, okay. Because, you know, obviously death is a sad thing. But, you know, some levity in the situation can help, I think. To mm-hmm. Yeah, I want you guys to have, like, a roast at my funeral. Right. Just, like, mm-hmm. nothing but, like, how stupid and ugly I was. <laughs> I've been practicing for that day for... <laughs> <laughs> Three years now. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, thanks to the good folks over at joincake.com. I have a, a joincake.com, whatever that is. Um, it's where I found this. Uh, join, join or joint? Join, J-O-I-N. Okay. Joincake.com. I thought joint cake. So it's like a cake club and you have to join it? Oh, good. I don't fucking know. <laughs> but it had a good list of, uh, of funeral-related puns that you guys can use to lighten the occasion. Yes. In the case that you, you know, happen to find yourself in such a circumstance. Okay. All right. So, uh, and the great thing is, too, not only do we have the puns, but we have an explanation in case you're unsure what the pun is meaning, mm. you know, the references. Now, there are 30 of these. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but I, I chose the top 10, or at least the 10 that I enjoyed the most, I okay. thought were the best puns. So, uh, let's put the fun back in funeral. I knew that one was coming. Yep. While this might be a bit cheesy, it's true that you can't spell funeral without fun. Mm-hmm. Uh what do you call a funeral ship? A sea hearse. The play on words between... What, what now? What funeral do you call, ship? Yes, a sea hearse. The uh, play on words between horse and hearse pokes fun in this classic pun. <laughs> <laughs> the, I'm glad it comes with the explanation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the explanations, you know, it really brings it full circle for right. you. Fleshes <laughs> no. it out. Uh, the will is the... Excuse me. Uh, the will is the dead giveaway. A will is where the deceased <laughs> lists how they want their belongings and assets distributed to friends and family. In other words, it's a chance for the dead to give away their things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why do ghosts ride the elevator to lift their spirits? Uh, here, an elevator is <laughs> okay. Here, the pun is on the word oh, lift. There is an yeah. Which means both elevator and an increase in happy feelings. Since a ghost is a spirit, the pun works on numerous levels. <laughs> uh, cremation is my last hope for a smoking body. Since bodies are literally burned during cremation, <laughs> that's one way to get a hot body. <laughs> it says smoking. Let's party like let's party like a mortician and grab a cold one. A cold, one. <laughs> a, a cold one is another word for a cold beer. Yes. In the context of talking about morticians, it also sounds like grabbing a body that's cold after death. In reality, most morticians would rather have the beer. I don't know that they know that for sure. <laughs> Get well soon because headstones are expensive. Not only is this a true statement about the cost of headstones, but it's an inspiring way. <laughs> <laughs> To encourage any friend or family member to feel better quickly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> In this economy, you really don't want to be buying a headstone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I think if you died, though, and it's not your problem at that point, right? <laughs> uh, corpses aren't very funny. They're dead serious. It's true that <laughs> it's true. It's true that you aren't actually likely to hear a joke from a corpse. <laughs> The pun is in the phrase,
plays dead serious implies that they simply don't have any sense of humor. In reality, they don't have much of anything at all. You know, <laughs> that just inspired me. So I just said you guys should do like a roast when I die, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I want to have pre-recorded answers that may or may not coincide with anything you said. <laughs> <laughs> so then after you guys do your little you know, spiel, mm-hmm. I want someone to just push the play button and then I'll like That'll rebut be response, yeah. whatever it is <laughs> that I think you will say. See, now normally in a roast, though, all the roast masters get to uh, give their roast, and then it's at the very end that the person gives their response. Mm-hmm. So I think this one comprehensive response, taking shots at everybody who you think may have taken <laughs> shots at you, would be the better way to go. Yeah, probably. What do you think, Brent? I'm totally supportive of this idea. I would like to imagine that we've <laughs> gathered together all of Ski's, you know, friends and family or whatever, <laughs> and then you and I stand up there for 20 minutes talking about how, you know, he was the best of us, and he was a saint of a man, and, so, and now Ski would like to say something, and we push the button, and it's just, it's just 20 minutes of Ski saying, well, yeah, she was 16, but... <laughs> But as I learned in Babe Ruth's Baseball Boy, (laughs) there's grass on the field. Just like 10, 12 minutes of me just ripping into all the people who love me. They're like, you know what? I don't miss them as much. I I feel better. Not so bad. I've got a couple more in particular I wanted to mention here. Uh, Auctioning a corpse? Now that's morbid. (laughs) During an auction, people bid on things. In this joke, a pun is played on the word morbid to imply a corpse leads to more bids. <laughs> and then uh, the final one that I thought stood out for me personally, although, of course, you know, again, there are 20 more of these after this uh, that you could go and find yourself if you like. Um, you said this is your favorite? This is, my, this is my favorite, yeah. If you rush to decapitation, you'll get ahead of yourself. Uh, though grotesque, this pun pokes fun at the idea of decapitation. If you're not careful... You might cut off your own head. Yikes. <laughs> Luckily, there aren't many decapitations today to need to worry about this, making it the perfect joke. The perfect joke. <laughs> yes. I so, don't see a situation where this isn't applicable. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so if you if anybody's out there going through a tough time because you've lost a loved one recently and you have to deal with the funeral. By all means, those puns can help you get through um, and uh, just you know lighten the load. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and if you need to explain to the person you told the pun, there are also convenient explanations. That's right. Well worded, concise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Uh, you know, a ski's using you know three point font in order to save a sheet of paper, and you printed twelve pages of paper just to <laughs> <laughs> read us ten funeral puns. <laughs> Well, they needed the explanations too, Brent. <laughs> and I printed it out before Crucial. choosing the top ten. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, scene five. Rose comes into the kitchen and tells Dorothy about talking to Charlie through Sophia and that she sent the, the ring back, which I thought was odd. I think she mails the ring back to Miles, which <laughs> seems a little... I think she'd just see him the next day or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, uh, Sophia tells Dorothy that she did it for a couple laughs and goes on to tell Rose after a, only, she goes on to tell Rose about it only after being informed that the uh, Third Reich take, has taken over Shady Pines. Um, I think it's specifically, she says the Germans have taken it over and she Some runs like. off uh, to tell Rose about the ruse. So. 
Uh, we move over to a new set, the Batting Cage, mm-hmm. where Stevie wraps up the B story by telling Blanche that he's moving to Japan for a new contract. Blanche is enraged, takes the bat from his hand, and weakly hits a softball to <laughs> yeah. display her dominance. Which I'm thinking, why? everybody like cheers too. Like, oh, I know. Like, it, it, it is the most mediocre hit of a ball that I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and uh, apparently, she's commando while she does it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also wondering why is. Stevie at a batting cage that they're throwing softballs anyway. <laughs> seems Get like... them ready for, for Japan. Yeah, perhaps. Um... All right, well, uh, scene seven, uh, Blanche returns to the house and tells Sophia and Dorothy about Stevie going to Japan. Rose walks in and Dorothy says, oh, Stevie's, uh, oh, Stevie's leaving Blanche for Tokyo, Rose. And Rose replies, well, I can understand that. She is a big radio personality. I'd have to assume the whole mediocre B story mm-hmm. um, was specifically written to make that slightly less mediocre joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, did you guys look it up? I don't even have no idea who Tokyo Rose is. At Tokyo Rose, it was these um, broadcasts that were English-speaking um, people who... It, it was propaganda, is what it was, that it was supposed to demoralize the troops um, from these various places. And Tokyo Rose was basically the nickname given to all the female... Uh, people doing these broadcasts. I mean, okay. these were Japanese um, transmissions or okay, whatever. Okay, okay. Maybe so. I had heard of that then, because that sounds familiar. I, I think, don't think I heard the name. But. I think there is one person who did get attributed to being the Tokyo Rose, but really, again, Tokyo Rose, it was actually More referring to... generic. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, yeah, I think been referenced in a lot of other things and whatnot as well, but... So, I, so you're saying that I should do an entire... Uh, like research paper and present it next time. Exactly, as opposed to yours back in Saint Olaf story, <laughs> give us a ten-page, two-point font. Let's <laughs> um, <laughs> study about it. Uh, I did think about going back to doing a deep dive, but there just wasn't enough about it in order to to really dive in, in my opinion. Well, I appreciate the uh, the like explanation though. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Sophia finally refe- reveals to uh, Rose about her Charlie ruse, and Rose takes it as badly as the situation called for. Mm-hmm. I do think that... that Yeah, it was pretty low. Because not only was it really shitty, but again, going back to it, I don't, not to harp on it too much, but not only was she being mean and, like you said, preying on Rose's grief anyway, but also she screwed up her relationship mm-hmm. <laughs> in doing it, um, and it it bothers me that you'd have to be threatened in order to... Yeah, make that right. Yeah, exactly. But I th- I, Sophia has her flaws, especially mm-hmm. as a mother a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> but normally she comes out okay without having to be made to do the right thing. Yeah. So. All right, well, the, uh, the final scene starts off with Rose forgiving Sophia, then telling Miles that she was afraid of commitment and accepting the ring after all. Uh, Dorothy comes in to wrap up the sea story by giving a letter to Sophia, thanking her for giving her a good life. Uh, you thought the B story was done? So did I, but I was fooled again. Uh, <laughs> Stevie returns wearing a dress, saying that he found himself and wanting Blanche back. Blanche says no because he was willing to leave her for Japan in the first place, kicks him out, and then reveals to the girls that it was actually the dress, that that was the cause for it, so... And that uh, that wrapped up the show. A, B, and Did C story. Did you guys know like Stevie's got like, a weird like hunch? Uh-huh. Like, it looks like he's always leaning forward with his like neck forward slightly. It's like man, that's got to be bad for athletics. Yeah, I would think so. Um, Especially like maybe I guess it makes your uh, uh, batting stance easier. Or something, I mean, or, like, maybe the, that's why at forty-five years old he hasn't made <laughs> the big leagues just yet. <laughs> but 
Maybe that hunch is really holding him back. <laughs> or maybe the hunch is from him, you know, leaning over that batter's box for so many years. Right. But Maybe that was how he got on base, you know, just get hit by a pitch. And there you <laughs> go. Oh, again, yeah. <laughs> Led the league in. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had uh, two guest actors in that episode. Of course, uh, Harold Gould, uh, Miles, his ninth of 13 episodes that he'll be in. At least of just the Golden Girls, he's in Golden Palace as well. Ninth of fifteen. Thirteen. Nine of thirteen. Yes, yeah, so we got four more miles this season. Wait, I'm sorry. So grand total, the entire run, he was only in thirteen episodes. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'd have guessed more than that. I would have thought so too. I was yeah. kind of surprising, but. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we had a uh, Tim Tom, Tim Thomerson. Yeah. He played uh, Stevie. Yeah. Two hundred forty titles for him. This is his only Golden Girls. I kind of wondered if Brent would remember him as a Bob B.B. Bobberson from eight episodes of The Late Show with David Letterman. And, and I looked everywhere for some sort of a whatever to mm-hmm. figure out what the heck that was, and I couldn't find anything. Yeah, neither could I. But uh, apparently, so Ski, have either of you ever heard of or watched the Trancers movies? Mm-mm. So I haven't heard of them. Yeah, neither have I, but there's a bunch of them, and he's in all of them. Um, Tran- Trancers? Trancers, yeah. It also is called a Future Cop in 1984, um, but he was in that. Uh, Trancers, City of Lost Angels. Trancers 2, which is actually the third in the series, but Trancers 2, <laughs> The Return of Jack Death. That was the role that he plays as Jack, Jack Death. Jack Death, I like that. Trancers 3, Death Lives. Trancers 4, Jack of Swords. Trancers 5, Sudden Death. And then he was also in Evil Bong as Jack Death, which was a uh, Cheech Marin movie, I believe, or <laughs> Tommy Chong, one of the two. I don't think it was the pair together, mm-hmm. but one of those two was uh, part of it. He also was in uh, Doll Man as Brick Bardo, and of course the classic follow-up, Doll Man versus Demonic Toys. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you can't have that first one without the second one followed up. Mm-hmm. Had a, a role in Fear and Loathing on Las Vegas. Um, he was in one episode of the 1990 Flash series. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, in an episode of The Incredible Hulk Returns. Man. I don't know if that was a series or just a, Done quite a, just a movie. Okay. Yeah. TV and then, movie. Uh, did you ever watch the show Quark? Quark? Yeah, I've heard of Quark, but I've never seen it. I, I don't know anything about it, but he was in eight episodes of Star it. Star Trek Deep Space Nine spinoff? Uh, well, no, but I think it's uh, at least a sci-fi type mm. thing, um, as far as I know. Oh, and of course, Ski's favorite as Alan Reynolds in the movie Rat Boy. <laughs> <laughs> Made a reappearance in uh, the, the Suicide Squad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so those are only two guest actors. We've had a few light episodes as far as guests go these uh, last few. I guess after that one where they had a thousand guest actors in. Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> spent their guest star budget on the Liberty Bell. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that's all I have uh, for my part of this episode. Have you guys seen the new, have you watched Peacemaker yet? TV no, show? I haven't. I mean, I really enjoyed um, the Suicide Squad. I liked Suicide. I liked the first one too, fine, but it wasn't mm-hmm. great, of course. Yeah. Um, had they left Joker out of it, it probably would have been much better. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. But anyways, I, I enjoyed the P- or I enjoyed Peacemaker in the Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. and I'd like to watch it, but I haven't got around to it. So gotcha. apparently, the first Suicide Squad movie was supposed to have more Joker, mm-hmm. which I wonder would it have made it better because he would have had more explanation of his character. Would have made it just much worse. Much worse. Yeah, I just hated his version of it. Like, Jared Leto's. I'd rather watch, Brent might disagree with this, but I'd rather watch Joaquin Phoenix's Joker than, <laughs> um, and Brent hated that. I like I that movie okay. It's weak. Despise that movie. Yeah. Um, are you planning to see the second one? <sighs> yeah. Supposed to have Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll see it just out of curiosity. I mean, it's the same reason. So, Helena's going to Florida for 
uh, see family and friends and stuff like that. And so she's only gone nine days. And so I was like, all right, so what am I going to watch while she's away? And then I was... A lot of porn. <laughs> so, well, I was like, all right. And I was like trying to figure out. But then I was like, oh, shit, you know, I can go to the movies like three times that week. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, the uh, Shazam, I could see that the first weekend. What's, what week's she going? Um, like the... Towards the end of March. I think okay. like Sunday the 19th. And then she gets back like Monday the 27th. Well, if you want, maybe we get together for dinner sometime while okay. she's gone. Yeah. Um, so like that first weekend, I was like, oh, I can, or I think that Tuesday night, I was like, oh, I'll go see Shazam, you know, for like five bucks at the AMC. 5.50 now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bullshit. Or not. I guess Monday night. I don't know. But anyways, so. But Whatever then the discount night is, right? Yeah. But um, I guess Tuesday night it won't be that night because the landmark up at Keystone, mm-hmm. um, they're showing Touch of Evil. Oh, okay. Which is one of my three favorite Orson Welles movies. It's like, <laughs> oh, well, I'll go up and see that. And then the following, the second weekend, that I love she's that going, you've seen enough Orson Welles movies that you have three <laughs> favorites. Such <laughs> <laughs> people may even be the second place movie, definitely in the top three. Okay. Um, but then, like, then the following weekend, the second weekend that she's gone is when John Wick Four comes out. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh well, that's what I'll do. Then I'll you know go to the movies thrice and watch the first three John Wick movies, so I'm ready for the fourth one mm-hmm. for the big finale or whatever. I'll have to watch all three because I've still not seen any yeah, of John Wicks. Yeah, we, we discussed getting together to watch those as a group, but apparently Brent is... Uh, Wasn't that going to be in June, though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure four would be out on Blu-ray or whatever by then. <laughs> but that Saturday um, that she's got the second Saturday, or it's only going to be one Saturday, but the second weekend or whatever, I've got the Sam Costa quarter marathon, so okay. that'll take up a little bit of time, too. So I'll stay occupied. Very nice. Well, um, I missed you at the Polar Bear 10K. Yeah, I I was there. I was just running just slightly behind you. <laughs> Could never quite catch up. I felt eyes on my ass. <laughs> I was like, thank God I'm glistening. <laughs> like I, I remember that ass when it was 17 years younger. <laughs> and 17 yeah. pounds heavier. <laughs> you did talk about how hot he was in his 20s. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all been downhill. Yeah. <laughs> uh. What are your feelings? I mean, just padding this episode out a little yeah. bit more, but um, I'm for it. What though? No, you're for it? Okay, padding or padding the episode out. How do you feel about like? What do you think they're going to end up doing with these James Gunn, uh, like this reboot of the DC universe, and the fact they have several DC movies still coming out between right? now and then? Yeah, like I get that the Batman is going to be just a total standalone thing, mm-hmm. and I get the Joker is a total standalone yeah. thing, but Aquaman. Seems like you would have a place in it. Everybody yeah. seems to be just over the moon about this Flash movie that's coming out yeah. soon. Shazam is another one that I yeah. think has been really solid, you know, yeah. the first one. Um, so I just kind of wonder, are all those just going to be lost to the ages after they so. come out? He's going to shuffle them under the rug, yeah. you know? I guess I mean, there's almost nothing else you can do. But Yeah, I, I really don't. And this is separate from that or whatever, but it's just sort of a pet peeve of mine. I hate it when franchises just sort of cherry pick which ones are canon after the fact. Mm, yeah. You know, like how they sort of did the soft reboot of Halloween a few years back. Mm-hmm. Well, like, well, the first one's canon, but, you know, two through ten aren't. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, you can't, you can't do that. You can't. <laughs> yeah. Like, there, ha- there has to be consequences for you making a shitty movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> So you feel like then it's better just to call it a total reboot exactly. and say nothing's canon. It's exactly. Just, we're just starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or you could do Fair what the enough. MCU did and say, oh, it's multiverse. 
-hmm. Yeah, that stuff happened in another universe. Well, but they haven't done that yet, you know. To a degree. I mean, if you think about Spider-Man uh, No Way Home, you had all the, the other two Spider-Mans. Those things actually supposedly happened in the context of... Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're saying that that stuff is real, but they've not said anything like, oh, well, that doesn't. Like, oh, those Eternals like, that super... showed up, that was a different universe. So. <laughs> <laughs> we've not, not actually seen them yeah. yet. <laughs> Disregard that. It was a disappointing movie, and we'd like to say it didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Do you agree? Right. No, I agree. I mean, it's tough because, like, I think Gal Gadot is so good as Wonder Woman, mm -hmm. although that second Wonder Woman movie sucked, but it wasn't her fault. It yeah. was, you know, the fault of the writing of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I, that, uh, you know, uh, Jason Moe is a really solid Aquaman, and mm -hmm. like I said, everybody seems to be really fond of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that that Ezra guy seems like he has some, some he's personal a weird, issues. Yeah, but, he's, yeah, he's got a lot of legal issues. So, but, uh, so I feel it's a little disappointing that some mm -hmm. of the solid parts will go away. And and the Suicide Squad was really good, too. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he'll try to leave that in also. I bet he will, because it's his. Yeah, you know. <laughs> kind of thought that, too. And they don't really I, mention much of anything that happened before. And I think that Amanda Waller character is mm -hmm. in the upcoming movies, too. So. Yeah. But. I think we've been doing this podcast for like three years now. Mm -hmm. So... If it's taught me anything, it's that, you know, it's okay to take the unpopular opinion, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, with, so with my years of training and experience, mm -hmm. I'd like to go ahead and just, you know, pick another hill to die on, All right. if I may. Sure. Um, but you mentioned Gal Gadot and uh -huh. everything. I think she's pretty easy on the eyes. <laughs> what? I, I mean, don't know. Listen, Brent. You know how old she is? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Ski, consider that, though, in Amazon years, that's only 16. <laughs> was that good, though? Was that that was solid, yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Finally, we got this. Somebody. <laughs> Some level of consensus, time. right? There's more that unites us than divides us. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, and, and honestly, you know, regardless of what other people say, I'm glad that, you know, me and Jason Momoa have the same body now. <laughs> we both have dad bods, uh -huh. almost identical. Uh -huh. <laughs> so. Oh, did you guys like that uh, line in uh, Ant-Man and, and Floss Quantumania? Where they talk, uh, he's talking to... Uh, um, crap. Um, Kang, and they asked him if he's the guy with the hammer. He's like, "No, that's Thor." We get confused sometimes. Mm -hmm. Similar body type. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was good. I enjoyed that. Uh, that was a solid movie. I don't want to give anything away because it's so recent. Um, so there may still be people that would go out to see it. But I, I think that the critic scores of that movie we discussed a little via text are yeah, did not are a little go over unfair. Well. I don't, I don't Agreed. agree with them at all. But yeah, I told Brent right before he came down. I watched a little podcast. Not po <laughs> <laughs> I watched a, a short video. Essentially, it's kind of like a podcast. Sure. But it's uh, showing oh. clips from the movie and stuff. It was a review of the movie and said, Ant-Man and the Wasp will make you hate movies. <laughs> and I was like, that seemed harsh. Yeah. So I was curious. I watched it, which you know kind of fed into his stuff. But I don't know. He made some interesting points about, uh, I saw from Brent, like kind of some of the... Uh, uh, general tropes that Marvel movies have gotten into about giant visuals and then 
sometimes underdeveloping characters or taking really interesting characters from the comics and then making them kind of like comic relief or, or downplaying their significance in the mm-hmm. movies, which I think Modoc he said specifically. Yeah, sure, but I mean, that's such a weird fucking character anyway. It is, it is. So. I think that they did as well as you possibly could have with that character. <laughs> exactly. I don't so. think you could have done that. <coughs> so. I do want to see the animated uh, version of yeah, that. Yeah, so would I. I'd like to see that. I've heard it's good. Oh, on the Hulu? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's so, yeah. Not, I didn't enjoy it. Oh, you um, really did you saw watch it? all of it or just an episode? Just an episode. Maybe no. two episodes, and it's like, this is not for me. Oh, gotcha. Are you a fan in general now, Grant? I'm not, I, I don't know if he has anything to do with the writing, um, but are you a fan of uh, Pat Oswald in mm-hmm. general? I am. So I then, am. I like him a lot, you know. Well, I would trust your opinion on that. If you mm-hmm. like the lead voice actor and yeah. still didn't care for it, then you're probably right. Yeah. Um, AP Bio, that was a Patton Oswalt show mm-hmm. that I just loved. I thought the world of that show. That's one I wish they still made more of. Yeah. Is that canceled now? Yeah. How many yeah. seasons did it be in? Just two? Uh, I think he had, they had three or four. Really? I thought yeah. it was, he was not in the... It, like, it got canceled, but then, like, they did another season or two for Peacock or something. Oh, okay, okay. Because I mean, so. Nicole was watching that quite a bit. I watched, mm-hmm. I think, the first, I watched, like, the first half of the season mm-hmm. one or something with her. It's what, like, we ended up having to, I think, purchase it on Prime, like, well after the fact, mm. you know, um, just to see the final two seasons or whatever. A lot of times, stuff like that, uh, especially if they get some high-name actors, because mm-hmm. uh, the main character was the guy from uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. So if they get people like that, a lot of times they'll like record several seasons mm-hmm. and, in hopes that everything will just be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so then they may just had like those seasons hanging out. Yeah. And they end up selling them or something later. Yeah. Well, I think we padded this episode out enough. Are you uh, sure? Are we at two hours yet? Uh, did we ever talk? <laughs> yes. <laughs> two and a half. Did um, we ever talk about MVPs and stuff? Uh, we did not, but I thought now would be a good time. To... <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> so, yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Do you guys have a favorite line? I didn't really from this one, no. Did I, had, you? I had one. I mentioned it during the show, but I can't remember what it was now. My favorite line was the, well, I can understand that. She's a big radio personality mm. about Tokyo Rose. Even though I thought the joke was crappy, I liked that follow-up. Yeah. You did say that you liked one. Did I, did I comment was, on that one, too? That was the one about, when I'm dead, drop me a line. Yeah, that yeah, was, yeah, yeah, that yeah, was that my was favorite good. line of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, can't believe he picked the other one, Hilbert. Uh-huh. Believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so we've discussed favorite lines. <sighs> was there an MVP for this episode? I mean, I gave it to Dorothy. It wasn't a home run by anybody, even Stevie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, Dorothy was the one who I thought did the best overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going with Stevie. Okay. Just because, you know, he deserves a win. <laughs> <laughs> Glad he found himself. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's good yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, better to find himself here than, you know, over there. Sure. I guess. I don't know. I have no idea the tolerance level. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know if 1991 Japan was uh, uh-huh. better for you know people in the trans community than 1991 United States, which was not great. Yeah. But you know, I'm glad he found himself either way. Exactly. Need so. for him to you know get over there and have the Tokyo woes. <laughs> and and he had Blanche to thank. Yeah. Yeah, sure. exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what she does. Brought him out of the shelf. Yeah. She exactly. Molded him, so. Exactly. Whether she liked the product or not. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Put a little pine tar on his bat and <laughs> send him on his way. Yeah. I mean when the artist is done, he just has to, he or she just has to accept the uh you know piece of art that's there in front of him. Right. So 
Did you see that story about the woman who uh, broke the forty thousand um, dollar? Yeah, Dakota statue. Uh, yeah, of balloon dogs or something. Yeah, yeah. I thought that I, it was funny. Is not the exact right word, but um, it just seemed odd to me that I don't know that a place would have a forty thousand dollar statue sitting on mm-hmm. like a little pedestal that people mm-hmm. were able to come through and look at. Right, yeah. that Agreed. seems very careless. Because yeah, I mean, you've probably seen these statues before, at least these, this art before. They look kind of like balloon animals, yeah. mm-hmm. um, like and the woman, yeah, stuff. Are they real shiny? Mm-hmm, exactly, yeah. And yeah. I think she touched it to see if it was actually a balloon, and just knocked it right off its pedestal on accident. And that's basically. very fragile too, apparently. Yeah, and it was relatively small, but it was yeah. because of the artist. It was worth like I think they say his work is about the most valuable of any living artist currently. He had something that's over like $91 million. $91 million? Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> but anyways, sorry to get us off track with uh, closing out this episode. Oh, that's okay. So Dorothy, that's who gets my MVP. Okay. Um, I went with Steve and you went with? Sophia. Sophia, mm. why'd you pick Sophia? Because she did a horrible thing and I don't usually vote for horrible oh. things. <laughs> oh, so you're just trying something new out? <laughs> like, I'm going to throw a Devil's advocate here. Yeah. <laughs> she was mean and spiteful for her personal uh, record. <laughs> That's why I give it to her. We'll call this a bottom three Sophia episode, personally. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> MVP. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> All right. So we did best lines. We did the MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, so we typically avoid, like, you know, slices of cheesecake. Is that something we do? Yeah, yeah. Are we still doing that, or did we general. stop that? No, I mean, I figure we've made it through seven seasons and four episodes. Might as well continue <laughs> it on through now. Okay, then. How many slices of cheesecake would you give this from Ski? Three. Three? <laughs> All right. Any particular reason it didn't get two and a half or three and a half? Uh, no. no. I just didn't like it a whole lot. <laughs> no. I'm going with a prime number. <laughs> well, I gave it two and a half because I thought it wasn't as good as a three, mm-hmm. but better than a two. <laughs> 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 but yeah, and no, I just... Sa- Sound reasoning. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was just, again, Sophia was so reprehensible in the, in the mm-hmm. episode. And, you know, I don't think it really generally works that well when you have an A, B, and C story. I mm-hmm. think two stories works fine. Mm-hmm. And I, I like it uh, when they occasionally have their one, you know, story mm-hmm. episodes. But three just feels a little too much going on. And yeah. all of them are a little half-baked. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But yeah, 2.5 for me. Yeah. I think that... Yeah, I'll give it three as well. Um, I don't know. I wonder if it would have worked better if instead of it would have been, you know, Blanche, you know, molding the baseball player or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was, I don't know how you'd make it Rose without it becoming like a sex thing or whatever. Right. She killed him anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, because I mean, like Rose, you know, she coached the peewee football or whatever before. Mm -hmm. I can see. I just wonder, would it have been better if it would have been an asexual thing where it's just like one of the Goldens is taking on this, like Sophia. Mm-hmm. Like Sophia's like, like oh, this guy's got, him. exactly, you know, like his own best interests at heart, you know. Like, But the only way they could really even play that would not be in a great way because it would only, almost have to be that he was getting made to wear women's underwear because as a punishment or something like that, which then would have been bad in its own right. Like if Sophia was the one who caused him to find his uh, I could see like whomever it is like everything like I learned about baseball they learned from Bull Durham oh, and so okay. like oh well this is what you do oh okay <laughs> alright well then uh, yeah I think Rosen would probably work out better for that yeah. because she's you know impressionable exactly so but yeah it would have been interesting to see it that way as well but 
I think they could have cut out one of the three stories and been just fine. Yeah. Developing the other one a little bit more. Yeah. And if I had to pick the story to cut out, it'd probably be, you know, Phoebe's story. Really? I'd have got rid of the letter. Yeah, I, I could see it either way. I'd get rid of all three, honestly. Two and a half mm-hmm. isn't worth much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not worth arguing over. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, if we're done, then I guess nothing left to say, but say golden, Coco. Color commentary. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at Sophia's Choice Podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at Sophia's Choice PC. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.